Hey, what it do, sports fans? Welcome to the Sports Live podcast brought to you by Multimedia Live. I'm Sboom Jigeli, so your host, and I will be joined by various guests on this exciting new podcast to discuss the latest ins and outs of the sporting world. Wow, what a week we've had, good and bad, in our sporting land. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Live podcast. The Proteas are out of the Cricket World Cup. Defeat to Pakistan by 49 runs on Sunday night. Confirm this. It is the worst performance by a South African team at a Cricket World Cup, in my view. They have so far managed just one win against Afghanistan and a no result against the West Indies to go with defeats to England, Bangladesh, India, New Zealand and Mickey Arthur's Pakistan. It's official. Cricket is in turmoil. The mother body, Cricket South Africa, is facing an uncertain future as they have predicted 654 million rand in losses over the next four years. The coach, Otis Gibson's contract is coming to an end after South Africa's game against Australia on July 6th and will probably not be renewed. A slew of players such as Dale Stein, Hashim Amla, JP Dumini and Imran Tahir will call time on their international careers. Some say that Kahiso Rabada was overbold and looked tired. Perhaps he needs a rest. Some say that the batting coach, Dale Bankenstein, should take the can. Others have pointed the finger at CSA's executive structures, while some blame the selectors for picking on sentiment rather than form. What went wrong? What we want to know from you is who should stay and who should go. Players, coaches, administrators... You can take your pick of people who should make way for more capable stand-ins. Please use the hashtag ProTierFired and hashtag SportsLive to express your views. And let's get that conversation going. Bearing in mind that Chief Selector Linda Zondi's time is up, who should replace him? And who should be the next Proteus coach after Otis? Should it be Mark Boucher, Jacques Callis, Lance Klusner, Makayantini, Malibongwe Maketa, Jeff Toyan, or someone from abroad again? Let us know using the hashtag ProTierFired and hashtag SportsLive to express your views and let us get that conversation going. The following 26 players have gathered in the first Springbok camp of the upcoming international rugby season and they include forwards Skalk Brits, Marcel Kutsia, Ruud Diacha, Peter Steff Tutoid, Reynand Alstadt, Eben Etzebeth, Stephen Kitzoff, Vincent Koch, Siakolisi, Franz Malherbe, Malcolm Marx, Bongim Bonambi, Tendai the Beast, Mdawarira, Franco Mostet, Marvin Ori, as well as Guaja Smith. The backs are Damien Dialende, Fafti Clark, Apiwe Yanki, Elton Yankees, Herschel Yankees, no relation, Cheslin Colby, Dylan Lades, Vili Leroux, Kobus Reynach, and a recall for France Stain from Montpellier. Players who have participated in last weekend's Super Rugby playoffs from the Sharks and the Bulls were not considered and will join the camp at a later stage. Staying with rugby, the Craven Week is starting in Bloemfontein on July 1st to July 6th. And one of the standout teams from last year were Border. They finished the week in Paul as one of only two unbeaten teams, the other being unofficial champions, Western Province. We managed to catch up with one of Border's coaches, James Wynn Stanley, who has overseen the wonderful turnaround at the Troubled Union. Here's James Wynn Stanley chatting to Blue Bulls, former Blue Bulls and former Border Bulldogs hooker Ludwig Boy ahead of the tournament. 
This is Ludwig Boy, uh, joined by uh, James and Stanley, uh, the current assistant coach for the Craven Week, director of rugby at Hudson Park. Uh, James, how are you? Oh, good. Good to good to have this chat. Yeah, James. Um, I was hoping to pick your mind a little bit just about obviously Craven Week preparations. Uh, this being your second year uh, in the setup, uh, I was hoping just to maybe hear how the preparations are going this year. Yeah, I think both years, uh, each year is similar but different, you know, so where, where there's similarities, obviously a strong core group of Salbornian players, of which, you know, we build our game plan around, it makes a lot of sense in terms of cohesion. But that said, you know, the, the, the profile of the team is very different. You know, last year was a really athletic side, and I'd like to think this one's a bit smarter. Uh, so the way we're playing is, is similar but different. Uh, the way we're coaching is similar but uh, different. So, yeah, it's, it's got its own identity and feel, and uh, we're very excited for the tournament. Um, just speaking uh, on, on last year's performance, uh, three out of three unprecedented in, in the border region. Um, how do you feel your chances are this year? I think as a side we're really confident, you know, uh, what last year did was, was show everyone that when we play to our potential, we can play well and beat good sides. Uh, so going into this year, we've got a harder seating, a harder draw, uh, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's live to die fight sort of stuff on the first day against the Bulls, you know, all, all bets are on that game. Uh, if we win that, then I think we can go really far in the competition. It's interesting you say that. Um, you know, obviously, this, this year you should have a marker on your back. Uh, teams will know and prepare better without uh, disrespecting border. Um, have you taken this into account with all the preparations that you guys are doing? And secondly, the team cohesion itself, something you guys got quite well this year. I see there's a less uh, number of Salborn players. Will that have any influence at all? Uh, I don't know about it so much a, a bullseye on our back, to be honest with you. If anything, teams are more fearful, you know. So, uh, you know, we're coming into it in a position of strength. Being the underdog, knowing that you really don't want to lose to borders, actually giving us a lot more in the way of confidence. So, you know, we take strength out of that uh, and we know that the pressure on them is greater, greater sorry, than it is on us. You know, in terms of cohesion, last year I suppose it was, it was a bigger challenge to get uh, cohesion because there were only seven players from, from other schools, whereas this year it's an increased number of another three. We're looking at ten guys. Uh, so if anything, cohesion's been easier this year because there's been greater diversity, you know, uh, in terms of uh, total, total composition of the team. So, yeah, again, uh, team's very confident. We're, we're looking good and it doesn't matter what they think about us. They know they're in for a game. <laughs> I like the confidence, mate. Now, before moving on to our special guest and the conversation for this week's episode, I'd like to give a major, major shout-out to SA's women's hockey team who are on the brink of qualifying for the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games. They beat Thailand 7-0 in the FIH Hockey Series Finals in Valencia over the weekend to book a guaranteed semi-final place. The other guaranteed semi-finalists are Canada, who are coached by a South African, Giles Bonnet from Durban. I'll be posting and retweeting updates on that tournament on my Twitter account at smoo underscore so this week using the hashtag SportsLive. So keep an eye out for those. Right, and now on to our main course. All right, we're chatting to Mark Stryker Stratum, Marky Mark, a colleague of mine, <laughs> friend of mine, about the Africa Cup of Nations in Egypt. Slight disclaimer, this is being recorded before the start of the tournament, so we will jump straight to Bafana, Bafana's group stage games against the Ivory Coast, Namibia and Morocco. By the time you hear this, South Africa would have played and hopefully beaten the Ivory Coast. 
But before we uh, get into the exciting AFCON stuff, I want to start off this conversation with something very, very interesting that piqued my interest mm. um, that Mark Stratum wrote, and that involves a team of prisoners and prison officials called Helders Room Football Club who won the Safa Overberg Region's SAB League, which is the fourth division in South African football. And most remarkably, they beat the South African Police Service, Police FC, <laughs> on their way to the title. How's that for irony? Victory for Helders Room FC meant that the Correctional Services Prison in Caledon in the Western Cape had representation at the semi-professional ABC Mutsipe League playoffs that were held in Beaufort West this week. Mark Stratum wrote the story, which is on Times Live. Just go on there and search for it. And he's here to chat about... This rather bizarre turn of events. Mark, welcome to the podcast and tell us, how in the world does a team of prisoners win, win a regional league title in South African football? Yeah, um, Spool, um, my friend Spool as well. Good to see you again, uh, yeah. Cheeks. Uh, it's good to have you back in the Tiso Blackstar corridors. Um, thanks, Marky Thanks Mark. for having me on your podcast. Um, yeah, so, I mean, this... Um, prison story basically was something someone tweeted us actually yeah about it and drew our attention to us and we thought oh geez we've got to call these guys and and find out about this and um you know that's you know the the amazing part of social media is that these stories come to light yeah and yeah look how they did it <laughs> um basically they've got a coach um Bumji Gonzana, who um who was a player in the Western Cape, but I think at amateur level, and he's okay. passionate about football. He works at the prison in their sport and recreation department. Um, he was sent a few years ago by, he coached the the LFA. It's the Overberg region of Safa. Okay. He coached the, the the guy who became president of that LFA. He coached him as a player. And so his ex-player sent him to Safa to, to put him on one of these Safa coaching courses. Okay. And I think he got his Safa C license or something like that. It's not, I'm not 100% sure. And he decides to coach the prisoners. And then the prison, the prison had a rugby team that was playing in an organized league, um, but they didn't have a football team and they, they thought, you know, that's a complete oversight. So they, yeah. he went, <laughs> so he then went back to his old LFA president and said, yeah. we need a team in your LFA um, playing uh, not the LFA president, the, the regional president said, we need a team in this local football association around Caledon where they are, is Helderstrom Prison. And we, you know, we think we need to have a, te- a, a team that's participating. It's, it's rehabilitative. It's um, only, only players on good, who've had a decent behavior record and yeah. too long a sentence. So there's an in- it's incentive based. And so they got a team into the LFA. Um, they won... The LFA in their first season, they got um, so they got they won promotion to yeah, the SAB. They league. won the promotion to the SAB league, which in is their the fourth, in their first hit out in their first first season in the yeah. LFA. Um, also, because this coach had had a coaching license and he'd been coached, he you know he'd, he'd had that sort of a bit of coaching exp- yeah, um, yeah. input. Um, he'd learned a bit of coaching from his SAFA courses, and then he started going around to other prisons in the Western Cape. 
I mean, I, like I, I, and, <laughs> and when you talk about yeah, transfer system when, with prisons, you know. Yeah, you, I, I mean, like now the, cor- the Department of Correctional Services, yeah. I mean, they might want to jump in here and get 10% of whatever money is transferred between, you know, yeah. these transfers. Like, who are the superstars of, of the prison teams? Uh, I'm sure somewhere someone uh, in, yeah. in Caledon knows who, who's the most sought after prisoner in, so, in, in those leagues. And it brought, yeah, so it brings a whole new meaning to the, to the sort of transfer system. And he sort of went around to other prison scouted players and asked them to organize matches. And he'd, 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 they would transfer those players to their prison. And so next thing, they had a strong team. And they, they, they won, they finished second in that SAB league in their first season. And then last, this past season, they won that league. The team that came second was Police FC, the local Jeez. police team from that, from that Overberg region. And they are competing... In and because we are talking uh, before this weekend, yeah, they would yeah. have competed in the playoffs this past week. Now, now, if you're a footballer, right, <laughs> and they're telling you you're up against a team of prisoners, mm. don't they have like the unfair advantage of like intimidation? You know, um, I don't know. I think you you might want to <laughs> think twice before you go in two footed um, against the guy. You know, maybe maybe he's he's not in for a serious crime. But, you know, maybe petty theft, uh, been around the block a little bit, certainly knows how to elbow his way through through yeah. the, the six-yard area. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Maybe this explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I mean, everyone I spoke to basically said they were the best-behaved team. And I guess... Um, you know, and I guess as prisoners, they were out there to represent their, to, you know, to to just, actually show, to, to show that, a good side of, that, a good of side the prison that, system. Yeah, yeah. And apparently the games against the police team were like a derby. Was, <laughs> you know, it was um, it was super competitive, yeah, but also yeah. super clean. I can get why, obviously, you can get why. You know, maybe the police team, you know, you, you, you have a, it's a grudge game. Let's call it a grudge no, absolutely. game. Absolutely. I mean, they're the people who put you there in the yeah. first place. <laughs> you know, um, so. I think there's so many levels to the story, though that are actually quite funny because I mean it's like a nice uplifting story but also because you know that whole thing of them getting one over the police and the criminals getting one over the police and also I mean even when I was talking to the coach and he was telling me yeah, they had to release this player because he was released from prison. Yeah, you yeah. know, all football teams release players, but actually, when a prison team releases a player, <laughs> it's got a whole different meaning. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a cool story. I like it. I mean, yeah, yeah no, it was a um, it was a fabulous story. So much yeah. so that I even thought of going down to the Eastern Cape. I'm from the Eastern <laughs> Cape, um, and to actually watch these guys play. Obviously, yeah. the team is also made up of prison officials. It's not just prisoners themselves so yeah. they have to form some sort of camaraderie mm. with the guys that have to make sure that they're in their prison cells at the end of a game you yeah. know you gotta make sure that if you left as an 18-man team that you come <laughs> back an 18-man team at the same time you don't come back like where the subs <laughs> <laughs> which is brilliant too because if that sort of relationship is being established between guards yeah. and prisoners and apparently there's only two or three guards that are right, actually right. in the team and the rest are all prisoners but yeah if you got that relationship and also apparently you know they they would have um, guards that went along to matches, you know, because these are prisoners. You've got to. Well, they've got yeah, to I would think. I would think. You know, <laughs> rather, be, than, rather than yeah. match officials, you know, you pull in a few uh, correctional services officers. No, of course. To, so they, to, <laughs> to play the the, the the what's it called, yeah. the fourth official, or, mm. or the match referee. <laughs> so they had to be accompanied, but apparently those guards were in plain clothes. It was kind of a formality. Everyone right. was so well behaved. It was like you know. So they didn't so abuse I, the privilege. Yeah. I don't know how they're doing the thing in the Eastern Cape. I mean. 
are they staying in a hotel? I'm not, I, I actually I'm not don't know. Sure. I didn't which is actually, actually which what is really piqued my interest because I yeah. thought now if they had qualified in the in the playoffs to get yeah. to ABC Mutsipeli, they are in the semi-professional realm of uh, of South African football. And then they have to travel more. They have to earn they money. Yeah, yeah they, it's they, they, have to, they have to travel more. Yeah. <laughs> um, they they will leave the Western Cape, as I understand it, to play matches. Yeah, logistically, it might require whoever is the, I guess, the manager of the recreational uh, bit at the Correctional Services Center. To, that's going to be his full time job. He's yeah. going to be like the PRO of the. Of the <laughs> so actually, yeah, the and, and if they go, if they travel somewhere, do they stay in a hotel? Or do they actually have to put them in another prison? <laughs> I mean, it seems a bit. It would seem a little cruel. It and, would seem cruel and, and um, sleep in a prison. That's a good follow up story that I'll have to do if they yeah. do get promoted. Yeah, Just how, yeah. how's this going to work? It'll yeah. be interesting. Yeah. It's it's a pity that you're going to Egypt to the <laughs> Africa Cup of Nations, which you're going to chat about because this is one that really really needs a follow up. I I'm, yeah. I'm actually curious to find out at the. I'm always interested in the human side of things. Like, you know, I'd love to find out who their captain is, right? Mm. Um, and what's he in for? Mm. And 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 you know, yeah. there's always the did he do it, did he not kind of story. Mm. And and the fact that he is willing to make something of his time. And what happens if he gets scouted? You mm. know, um, we've seen the likes of uh, Jomo Sono going to attend these kind of games, mm. looking for rare talent. Mm. Um, we see a lot of NFD sides going to attend these kind of games. I mean, if you find a youngster that's maybe in for a misdemeanor, um, and and you know and and you find that he's got potential and you can and you can bring him into an NFD side. What like what happens there? Can can yeah. can they motivate mm. uh, for an early release, a parole? Yeah. Um, can these guys actually get a good shot at being brought back uh, into society through mm. football? Which is I know the power of the game, but this this will transcend it, anything that, that we've seen in, in South African football ever before. Yeah, I mean, that's looking at the story at the next level, actually, and that's yeah. actually a good, uh, a really interesting way of looking at it, because if a player has potential as a footballer, can that affect his sentence? Can that, you know, he's, can, it, can it affect his rehabilitation yeah. process to, yeah. to, that he's got something to go to and he's got some potential and he can make something of his life? And, yeah, and you can and, show you know, the parole <laughs> board about his scoring rate. Exactly. He's like, got 23 goals in 30 games. And he got our team promoted <laughs> then. Exactly. Like, sir, he's got 12 assists. We can't do without this player. Right. Um, yeah. Mark, you're going to the Africa Cup of Nations, mm. which is uh, the big one. Like I said earlier in this podcast in the show that by the time you hear this, Marky Mark will be deep in the uh, uh, the land of the pharaohs. He will be following Bafana Bafana, who by this point uh, would have played have uh, have Renard's former former team, uh, Cote d'Ivoire. They're also former champions. They won in 2015 uh, with Have Renard. Have Renard is now with Morocco, um, who are the other team in South Africa's group. And he's a guy that was... Uh, touted to be the next Bafana coach before mm. Stuart Baxter swooped in and uh, and became the unlikely candidate uh, for that job after Sheikh Shaba was was released. What do you think this Hevrenard narrative is going to do to this Group D, which also has Namibia in it? Um, no, absolutely. Uh, the Renard factor in that group, mm. uh, I think you're right, Spool. I mean, uh, we, we, Herb Renard is the most respected coach in Africa right now. Um, yeah. Won, won it with, with, with Zambia. Yeah, won it with Zambia. Won complete, it with Cote d'Ivoire. Yeah. 
qualified for the World Cup with Morocco, is that correct? Yes, took Mor- look, and Morocco were underachieving for a long time yeah. before Herb arrived. Um, they're one of the giants of African football, um, and he, he arrived there and turned them around. Um, to have uh, his, his respect is because I, currently I don't think there's another coach who's won the AFCON twice with two different teams. Um, I stand corrected on that. Yeah. Um, but also to have done it with Zambia, completely unheralded that, that side. That on its own was, was incredible. I mean, that yeah. team was largely based in the PSL. They had foreign-based they the had foreign based players. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, but absolutely, I mean, that was never a team that you would have thought could have won a, a Not gone. in a million years. And, okay, they were also motivated by the emotion. It was the 20-year anniversary of the plane crash where in they Gabon. lost their team. Um, where they lost their great team of the 90s. So they were, they, it was a very emotional Nations Cup on, and, and Herb Renard. But also just I think the way Renard managed to stoke that emotion yeah. and take them all the way to the final and win it. Um, and they beat Ivory Coast. They the did final. on penalties. Yeah. yeah and then, yeah. then he takes over an Ivory Coast team that has reached. Also massive yeah, underachievers. They basically 10 years had been together and been the best team in Africa and couldn't win the Nations Cup. Drop couldn't win retired. the Nations Cup. Yeah. The year before. I'm yeah. actually mad that the, the star player <laughs> retires. Shame he never, retires yeah. the year after they win the Africa Cup. Of yes, I'm yeah, like, man. <laughs> yeah, for Chelsea, that's terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Jobber is my hero, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Not not just because I'm a Chelsea fan. Everybody mm. knows this. Um, and he's one of our greatest ever players. Thank you very much. And we haven't had a quality striker like Drogba ever since. But we're not <laughs> here for that. Um, just, yeah. just what he did at the Ivory Coast, you know. So, so then he takes a team that is that has come so close, reached finals, but yeah, couldn't yeah. win it, and finally wins it with them. So I mean that makes Herb Renard. He's he's you know he's the new white witch doctor. He's the you know Trissier, but he's better than Trissier. No, um, miles, he's, he's miles, miles ahead of Trissier. Um, and in my book, yeah. and basically he's done it with francophone countries, and he's French speaking, but he did did it with an English speaking country. Are yeah. there something in that as so, well? Yeah, southern that he can and western because African the cultures are and different. northern Africa. Yeah. I mean the within the continent that is and now like, North Africa. Like, yeah. Incredible. I mean, even his tenure in Morocco can be regarded as a success because they wanted to go to the FIFA World Cup and he achieved that, yeah. which is what South Africa also wanted it in for. Yeah. And we failed mm. um, in that mandate to make to make the World Cup. And, and he got them there, even though they weren't too great. But he's one of those that will get you something that you can tick off as, as a success. You know, I mean... Yeah. Um, with the Ivory Coast, they wanted, like you said, they wanted it for 10 years. They had the best ever Afri- uh, uh, um, Ivory Coast team with Yaya Toure, Kolo Toure, Didier Drogba, mm. um, Sakatiene, Givinho. Mm. I mean, that was an incredible Solomon team. Kalu. Yeah. Oh, just, um, yeah. Just just unbelievable team um, on its own. And they just couldn't get over the line. Mm. He got them over the line. Got Morocco over the line. Got Zambia over the line. And um, I think he's got this alchemy with teams. And, and mm. like you said, like having a Southern African team, Western African team, and Northern African team, that's, the that's, cultures, like, that's like winning in three different continents on its own. Yeah. The cultures are so vast. Cultures different. are very different. The languages are so different. That he could adapt it's to crazy. those cultures and be successful in all of them is. Is, it really does show Herb Renard is a magician. Um, with with I, I believe behind the scenes is extremely difficult to work with. But I mean, who cares? He gets results. I mean, we know ah, he gets look. results. Um, uh, maybe maybe his, maybe his, he players, his shirt but, but some of the best coaches are are very difficult to work with. Yeah. I mean, Jose Mourinho. I mean, everyone. Alex Ferguson. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, but they're very particular about how they want things done. But um, no, absolutely, Renard is a factor. 
And I think even, okay, so he took Morocco to the World Cup. Um, they were quite impressive there. They couldn't get through their group, but they played well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, okay, and then maybe we'll be a bit encouraged by they didn't have an amazing qualifying campaign. They actually, we make so much of how, the, how we drew against Seychelles uh, yeah. away, and that is a shocking result. And that it, was shocking. And we deserved. And, and we had beaten them 6 Yeah, and Stuart Baxter deserved to be slammed for it, yeah, the game before. But actually, Morocco could only beat Comoros 1 0 at home, and they drew away. And that's actually worse. And, <laughs> and, and, and they also <laughs> drew away against Malawi. So maybe okay. they didn't actually have the most. They finished top of their group over Cameroon. Um, and they only also beat Cameroon away, but lost at ho- um, lost away, um, but beat one at home. So it's just that Cameroon had a worse qualifying um, right. campaign. Um, and you know, when you got Malawi and Comoros, you expect it to be a bit easier. But I, I'm not going to read too much into that. Renard at a tournament knows what to do Different at Renard, a tournament. Yeah, different team altogether. And, and you know, he, he did enough to qualify. And when you get to the tournament, I mean, he's going to analyze us. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating backstage against Renard. And and, and yeah. I heard that he he enjoys coming to South Africa. Uh, he does. Uh, Coming to Joburg to mm. to unwind mm. uh, a couple of times has taken his teams to South Africa yeah. for a pre-tournament sort of camp mm. uh, in Johannesburg. Uh, so he really loves South Africa. He likes South Africa. He wants to coach South Africa. <laughs> <So> <laughs> then why is he coaching South Africa? Exactly for and yeah, sure. Let no disrespect to Stuart, but. We could have got him this because he was out of contract at the time that Stuart was appointed. Right. And we could have got him. It was just financial. It was just that he wanted too much money according to what we wanted to pay. And yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting because then Stuart went on to not qualify for the World Cup. Renard Uh, did with Morocco. He hadn't for so long. And to um, get him out of that contract is going to be impossible now with Safa and Dire Straits. Yeah, I know. So I think we missed a window of opportunity there. But Stuart's qualified for an AFCON. It's his first AFCON. He's got a lot to prove. It's going to be interesting. So, right. And, and yeah. Stuart took a lot of flack for failing to qualify South Africa for two World Cups yeah. in both his tenures. And I think, yeah. look, I'll, I'll, I'll have to credit uh, Safa for this, that they stuck, they stuck with him. Mm. You know, they mm. weren't too trigger happy because, you know, you've rather take one hit. You know, than than yeah. than take a more multiple hits yeah. uh, in the future. Mm. You know, and then I think Stewart's learnt as well. Uh, he's he's not too arrogant as to not make tweaks. I think there were mm. grumblings about him using his son as goalkeeper coach. Mm. Grumblings about <laughs> Quentin Fortune, and and I, it, to some extent he listened. And yeah. um, I think Andre Arance is a goalkeeper coach at Bafana now, and. He surrounded himself with a with a lot of guys who are doing well in local coaching. Guys like uh, Rulani Mukwena, mm. uh, who's done very well as assistant coach, mm. both at Mamelodi Sundowns and at Orlando Pirates. I think, in a way, he's kind of listened. And and for me, as much as we've lost Herb Renard, mm. you 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 have to give Stuart Baxter some level of credit in that mm. he managed to take one of the two boxes he was supposed to tick, which yeah. is Africa Cup of Nations qualification. And I have to say, in terms of selection, there's nothing really bizarre. Like, this is not no. Pierre Issa coming to, to yeah. straight into a starting lineup for Bafana Bafana, and we didn't even know who he was. Um, so he's kind of really, I mean, everybody has their pick uh, of the lot. Some people wanted Kermit Erasmus in, some mm. people don't. Mm. You're going to get that with any squad. What do you think of the Bafana squad uh, that, that eventually traveled? 
Yeah, I think it's like you say, Spool, I do, I agree. I think Stuart is a, he's a solid coach and he gets a lot of flack. I think people, yeah, people try and put Stuart in a sort of Middendorp category and that's not, it's incredibly oh, that's unfair. That's a bit harsh. Yeah, because I, one, I actually thought he might have won the league with Supersport had the rumours around Yeah, because um, they, they had only lost one game that January mm. and then he started getting uh, touted as the next Bafana coach. kind of, through Supersports season, and they were top yes. of the of the league that year in exactly. January. But continue, yeah. um, and and I mean, yeah, Stuart is way above that sort of category, and people sort of write him off, and they he's, they find they they he's not a popular coach. There's, we know that, and and the moment things go against him, there's an outcry, and I yeah, think yeah, um, it goes back to when he was Bafana coach the first time. I thought actually there were elements in the press who gave him a really raw deal. Yeah. He was actually trying to do a good job. There was some huge politics against him, and this influenced public opinion. And he, when he came back, he proved he proved that actually he's a very good coach, winning two league and top, cup doubles in three years with with Kaiser Chiefs. Yeah, um, and they haven't been the same since. But this is not to say Stuart is the best Bafana coach. Will will ever have or can have? Yeah, we, I yeah. mean, I, I would, you know, if you're going to compare, I would say whoever nods a bit is clearly a, a much step the above. Right, yeah. The but but we went favorite, for a cheaper yeah. option, and as cheaper options go, Stuart's a very very good coach, um, um, and he's got a lot to prove. And he's finally, you know, he reached this Afcon, and he wants to. He's, it's now his first major tournament with yeah, a national team. Yeah. He, you know, he's done other things. He's won leagues in Sweden. He's won leagues and league, leagues and cups in South Africa. He's got teams promoted in Japan. He's played UEFA Champions League. He's played Europa League. Right. So at club level, he's done a lot. National team, it hasn't always gone as yeah, well. Yeah. And this is his first time finally getting to a major tournament. And sorry, the question was about the squad. I yeah. think the squad um, reflects what Stuart is. He's a solid coach. Like you say, he doesn't do too many crazy things sometimes his starting lineups he can be a bit conservative um you've got to play to the strengths of south african right. football um and and you know i think when we when we blew our games against cape verde he, he just wasn't picking some of the more expressive players and right. and then that, that backfire way that. too conservative no. there but but the squad is very solid and yeah. um i think he's no real surprises and maybe one or two goalkeeper defense but the backup players the 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 the, the like front your, line your, players your, are all there bruce uh Vuma. bruce Vuma, romachlin patlet is not had a great season there are other right no. backs yeah um even you know daniel cardoso is a good player i like him but but are there maybe one or two more informed center backs but apart from that maybe I he's this squad thinking was good. northern african style kind of uh set pc kind of defense which cardoso has been good he's, at he is good at, at yeah not and there's reasons and i mean rivaldi could see was there but he pulled out so yeah right now mark you wrote in your uh, bafana bafana preview for the sunday times a previous week and mm. that bafana have a potent strike force in Percy Tao and Lebohang Mutiba. Both players are based overseas. Mutiba scored 12 goals and won the French League Cup with Strasbourg, while Tao won the Player of the Season award in Belgium after stellar performances with his second-tier side, Royal Union St. Glois. I hope I said that right. <laughs> I've can, no idea. can they match up to the likes of uh, Nicolas Pepe from the Ivory Coast and Morocco's Hakim Ziek. Now Ziek, we've seen him uh, AX in that mm. um, sprightly AX team that made the semis, lost to Tottenham. Um, Nicolas Pepe, I think, scored 22 goals in French League mm. earned for Lille. And he's one of the guys that is really wanted uh, by your Liverpools, your Arsenals. Mm. Well, Chelsea can't make signings, mm. unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> your Man United. So... Yeah. 
good players in their own right. Tau definitely ought to be playing EPL football right now. Yeah. Lebu Mutiba to be a main man at a at a at a French league earn side. Mm. That says a lot about him. Tall yeah. fella, agile, mm. in your face. Mm. You know the the kind of striker I like. You know your Drogba types, a target mm. man who <laughs> hold it up. Then you got your Taus and Opo players like Zwane, mm. uh, Temba Zwane. You know, do, do you think we've got enough to 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 nick some goals against these guys? Yeah, um, I think we do. I think you know we are Lebo Motiba. If you look at the twelve goals that he scored for for Strasbourg. He's not just a goal scorer. He's also, like you say, he's um, he's a beast of a player. Right. He, when he runs at teams, players fall off him and the players around him can feed off the scraps. And yeah. So he's not just about goals. Um, I think, yeah, if, if we're looking at... I think the, the positive is that finally we've got some players who can score goals, some players who can create, score, create a, goals. That's a huge positive. Tim Bezwani was one of the best wingers in the Champions League for Sundowns, reaching this, the semifinals this past yeah. uh, season. Um, and so... Yeah, absolutely. Are they quite the class of what Morocco and Ivory Coast have? Maybe not. But finally, we've got players who can score goals. I think if you look at our all-round squad, um, they have maybe a bit more stark quality. But this thing of that we've got more players based in our league can actually be a strength. That's 17, right? The, the, yeah. the most uh, in, in, yeah. in AFCON. And uh, we've got the best league in Africa. And actually, let's use that as a strength as and an have better togetherness yeah. and, and a better strength of of unity in the team and you know when you've got players coming from a lot of different leagues yeah I don't know it does cause some sort of division, yeah and yeah. Ivory Coast you know I actually think Ivory Coast for me they've got more star players than Morocco but I think Ivory Coast might be the team we can beat in that opening game and Ooh, and and we're discussing this once yeah, this, this yeah, is going to yeah. go live you after. know so we're going to hold you accountable but, for but this, only for this because call, yeah. Ivory Coast don't, don't have Renard and they also they have a lot of players, a lot of star players from big clubs who don't necessarily We've seen are going to play as a your, team. Your Wilfred Bowlies and, yeah. and your yeah, yeah. Zaha, Wilfred Zahas. Yeah. It just doesn't click when, doesn't always click. when it has to And happen. if we can go in there as a unit and play as a unit, and I'm discussing this now, and it's, you know, the game's on Monday and this is going to go live, maybe I'm yeah. going to sound incredibly stupid. But I or really you'll think be a genius. Or <laughs> we'll be saying, oh, wow. I what, hope I'm a what, genius. A genius. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much, Marky Mark. We have to close our conversation there. Like we said, by the time you hear this, Mark would be nice and cozy in Egypt, um, uh, sto- storming up uh, the square, uh, Tahir Square uh, there. I'm on a, I'm on a budget, <laughs> trust me. Trust me. Um, I'm, on a, I'm on a big budget. Maybe you have to edit this out because my bosses might get angry. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Thanks for... Uh, uh, spending some time with us and chatting, uh, of course, Africa Cup of Nations and that incredible team of uh, prisoners and prison officials. Amazing stuff. Thanks, Mark. Enjoy Egypt. Thanks for having me. So we managed to catch up with Marky Mark straight after the game, after South Africa lost 1-0 to Ivory Coast. And we wanted to find out from him, just quickly, Mark, tell us, why did South Africa go down 1-0 in a game where it looked as if they were able to contain the Ivorian might? Was it because they could not get any penetration? And tell us, what did Stuart Baxter get right and what did he unfortunately get wrong in his strategy in the lead-up to the game? Or maybe... It was the temperature, the high temperatures that South Africa and Ivory Coast played under. What was your summation, Mark? Hi, Spoo. Um, yeah, uh, 
that's the big question isn't it what went right what went wrong uh, okay so look there's a few things there's positives um it's it's not you know i've seen some of the reaction and people will say ah oh, but you making excuses for them again making excuses for baxter um it's not a disaster the opening result you know we we also have to remember that it was always a big ask um ivory coast yo you just look at their quality i mean we've got lebo motiva yeah that's awesome um they have jonathan kojia who is probably bigger than lebo faster than lebo shoots harder than lebo is more mobile than lebo you know i'm not saying he's necessary he's not streets ahead of him lebo is a good player if he gets the service kojia almost doesn't even need a service because he you know he, he can just run through players um and look they've got pepe and pepe was beautiful you could see with his first where he beat uh Mokocho down the right, fed Kojia, Kojia slipped. It could have been a goal, um, you know, in the, in the opening 11 minutes. Um, they, 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 their play power was awesome, yeah. Look, from Bafana, that doesn't mean that we should be going out there and showing them too much respect, and I think they, that we did. I think that's where maybe one of the biggest areas where we went a bit wrong. Um, Percy Tao also just admitting, basically, that... Um, we just couldn't get our attack. We, we had the wrong strategy in attack, is actually what he said. We, we said our plan of attack was not right, um, which is interesting. Um, I think what I think the positive is we were beautifully structured, really, really wonderfully. And like you say, we contained, completely contained Ivory Coast. The heat was a big leveler, um, but, I, but look, South Africa also had to work in that heat to contain Ivory Coast. And I think uh, the, way, the manner in which they did it, I mean, for me, Mokocho and Furman were actually outstanding, uh, protecting their back four. And actually, our back four wasn't nearly as caught for pace as I thought it would be. Um, the back four were, ex were excellent. We, we, we really have a really good defensive block of six. Um, and that's a really, really big positive. Um, the, the negative is that, on top of that, as good as Ivory Coast might be, you've got to try to rattle them. And I just didn't think we did enough. Um, and there were times when we got our quick passing together. Um, and again, yeah, the heat is a factor, but there were times when we got our quick passing together where you could see they struggled to, con to deal with it and they didn't like it when we, you know, these teams, these big physical teams, they don't like it when, when our quick, quick South Africans get their quick passing together. I thought if the heat actually benefited anyone, it probably was Ivory Coast because we do like that quick passing game. And I think to play at that tempo in that kind of uh, 37 degrees heat is, is basically impossible for us. Um, so yes, there is that factor and that's not making excuses. That is just, um, that is just actually the reality of it. Right, Marky Mark, thank you so much for that excellent analysis. Uh, you really painted a great picture for us out there in Egypt. But before I let you go, buddy, could you please give me an upset and playmaker of the week? I know this is uh, uh, putting you under the bus a little bit here, and it's going to test a little bit of how much of the other sports you've seen in the last week or so. I'll start you off pretty easy if you can give me your upset of the week between these following options. Angola holding Tunisia to 1-1 in their first Group E AFCON game. Pakistan beating the Proteas by 49 runs on Sunday. 
and the FIFA Women's World Cup hosts France beating Brazil 2-1 in the last 16 also on Sunday. And can you give us our playmaker of the week as well while you're at it? Uh, between these following options, Ronwen Williams' goalkeeping performance versus Ivory Coast, South Africa's women's hockey team beating Thailand 7-0, and I don't know if you follow tennis, but Roger Federer winning his 10th Gary Webber title in Halle. <laughs> okay, Spoo, yeah, sure. Okay, putting me on the spot with... Uh, Sure, you're actually keeping me informed about what's happening in global sport because uh, I'm I'm in Egypt and I'm hugely focused on the Afghan. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Okay, so upset of the week. Yeah, uh, France beating Brazil uh, 2-1 at the Women's World Cup. Uh, yeah, we know Brazil are a power. Um, France, not as much of power in the women's game. Um, and yeah, I mean, Pakistan beating the Proteas, that wasn't an upset that was going to form. <laughs> and... Uh, Angola holding Tunisia, yeah, look, the Afcon's a big leveller and there's no underdogs here. Um, and then the Playmaker of the Week, uh, this is going to sound a little biased, but I'm going to give it to Ronwin. Um, Ronwin winning, Ronwin's performance against Ivory Coast, even though we couldn't win. Um, he was, he was up, <coughs> outstanding, he finally put his shakiness in the Bufana jersey behind him. He could be a big player for the future, he could even be... He, he might even be bigger than Itumalin Kuni one day. Um, and the beginning of that started in this game. Um, yeah, the, the women's win against Thailand, well done to them. Yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, Federer, 10th Gary Weber. Yeah, Roger Federer, I mean, he's, he's getting old, but he's, he's still a, a master champ. So that's why I give it to Ronman. That's it for me, Spoom Chigeliso, and you've been listening to the Sports Live podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Do also catch us on timeslive.co.za, as well as Sowetan Live, Business Live. We are also on Iono FM, the Apple Podcast Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. It could be Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, Pocket Cast, wherever. To connect with us, please use the hashtag SportsLive. Share your comments with us at TimesLive or at Sowetan Live on Twitter. A big thank you goes out to the multimedia live team led by Scott Peter Smith and producer Paige Muller, as well as the Tiso Black Star Digital Sports Department, headed by Mninawa Mchana Ntoko. Our sound and audio mixer is Innocent Manike. From us at the Sports Live podcast, it's goodbye for now.